Hey, welcome back to Pitching Old Hockey. This is Chris and today's co-host, Steve. Hey, how's it going, hockey fans? And you know, we're just a couple of goalies that have taken one too many pucks at the head and do not claim to be hockey experts, but simply overzealous hockey fans that love to play, watch, read, and talk about hockey. We mostly cover the NHL, but we'll also discuss other happenings around the hockey world, so be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to let us know what you think. Also, be sure to comment and share any hockey news, highlights, or videos we should cover in an upcoming podcast. So, Steve, to start off today's podcast, there's been a lot happening in the hockey world since the NHL announced the divisions, and we're going to talk about all that. But you also see announcements like individuals retiring, like Derek England. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know, you know, all the the reasons behind England's retirement. I didn't look too much into the story other than, wow, you know, the face of that franchise, you know, the local face, you know. Um, is retiring yeah. back from that. So I don't know if it's just, it was just felt like it was time for him to hang it up. Um, yeah. From, from what I understand, I don't think he was going to be offered another contract by the Golden Knights. He is the face of the franchise. He lives in Vegas. He loves that city. I just don't think that fit in their plan moving. And I think he didn't really want to play anywhere else, if I'm correct. Because uh, I think he was getting offers, but he didn't want to play outside of Vegas. So I think... It was just time for him to hang it up. I think in one of our first podcasts, I brought up the fact that I think he should just retire and take the front office job, and that's what he's doing. So he will still remain with the Golden Knights in a different capacity. I want to congratulate him on a hell of a career. Me and you were at that game after the tragedy in Vegas, and we were there for the first ever Golden Knights game. He spoke as a member of the city to the brand new fan base, and I thought he was just the perfect representation of that city yeah no it was it was a powerful speech and you could tell that there was just huge buzz in that arena yeah and i didn't expect them to smash the cows as bad as they did but you know i had just last yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah good for them but uh not so great for the coyotes fans attendance that was painful painful to watch yeah you know it's always good watching guys retire you know when on their own terms, you know, as opposed to an injury that's forcing them on out or a family yeah. issue, right? So, you know, you know, uh, you know, congrats to him on a successful career. And, you know, now he gets the, the chance to possibly win a cup as a front office staff member a little bit easier. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think, uh, I think, you know what? I think he's perfect for the role. Like I said, I can't imagine him with any other organization at this point. So congratulations, Derek, on a, Awesome career. Moving on with really good news. I guess you could call it really good news. Really awesome news. Interesting news for us here. Out of the Eastern Ontario Junior Hockey League, our special guest from a couple weeks ago, Matthew Couvret, has been named the interim commissioner for the 2020-2021 season. So how about that? That's really cool, man. Our, uh, the only thing that the only Debbie Downer on this one is the talks with the, uh, <laughs> the the GM now may become the rare and few talks with the commission if he, uh, if he takes the position. So congrats to him. That's a nice, yeah, that's... absolutely. Big congrats to him. I know that it's really a awesome opportunity to sit there and, and be in that interim position. But, uh, yeah, he's going to have to double, you know, like <laughs> it's, it's got to be tough. So I, I'm assuming somebody else is at least temporarily taking on some of the oversight of the Packers. But, again, we really haven't been able to talk to Matthew at the moment as he has got a lot on his plate. But congratulations to even be considered for that position is amazing. So to be able to sit in there and be the interim commissioner, that's just a massive, massive opportunity. So congrats. Other news that we wanted to discuss 
was that the National Women's Hockey League also had massive news dropping in the last couple days. And I wondered when this would eventually happen. And we've been calling for it on this podcast on our entire two-month history here. But we're National Women's Hockey League fans. I don't think you particularly have a team. I would definitely call myself a Buttes fan, Buttes Brigade. They have a contract now. I I assume it's a contract. They're going to be on NBC. So the Isabel Cup out of Lake Placid is going to be... All the games are going to be broadcast on NBC. And, man, this is huge. This is big news. Yeah, no, that's awesome for the women's hockey. They're getting their first, you know, shot at nationally televised games, which is going to be big for them. I'd definitely be tuning in with uh, my family, my wife, and my girls would definitely be wanting to check that out. So great, great big, you know, step up there for them. And, you know, I saw some negative comments, you know, on Facebook right away, you know, when this was announced. And it's disappointing, you know, that for people saying, you know, viewership is going to be down. That's on you. You know, why wouldn't you not want to support any level of hockey, you know, because the more support it gets, the better it gets. And it just means yeah. more hockey for us to watch. You know, the surprising one was one guy that, you know, was bashing it. And yet he had, a, you know, in his Facebook profile picture, when I'm assuming is, uh, you know, a four or five year old daughter, which just sits there making me shaking my head. I'm like, limit your kids because of your yeah, own absolutely. Stupid, because stupid views, you know? So, yeah, because things like this lead to bigger fan bases, more money coming in, better sponsorships, being able to get time on NBC is absolutely massive. And I know NBC's a big hockey supporter. So NBC's always, I think, uh, not always, but at least in recent hockey history, really been the, the, the power behind the growth of hockey. They have it on a lot of their channels, especially during the playoffs. They'll have it on CNBC, uh, sports, what is it, their NBC Sports Network. I really think that they are, for me, they're my favorite network just because they've been so supportive of hockey and I can get hockey with NBC. And the fact that they stepped up and, and again, I don't know what, what went behind these deals and everything. So congratulations to those representatives in the National Women's Hockey League that got this deal done and got us women's hockey on NBC in, instead of online. And, and again, nothing against those organizations that they were previously airing it on. I mean, I had to watch games, I think, in the past on Twitter, on Twitch. That's where you could get the games, if you could get them. And I think just being able to have NBC behind it, the broadcasts are going to be better. Everything about it is going to be better. And I'm super excited to see where this goes. I mean, we have six teams in the National Women's Hockey League right now, and the Toronto Six being the most recent addition. So this will be their inaugural season. It's going to be really awesome and interesting to see where this goes. And hey, if any of the National Women's Hockey League players listen to this podcast and you want to jump on and chat with us, by all means, jump on and chat with us. We would love to have players on and, uh, and talk women's hockey and give some insights into how it's going. Because I know I think the the organization right now with the money is the Boston Pride. And do I love that jersey? If you didn't hear this on the previous podcast, y'all, it, it ranks as, I think, number seven or number eight on my profession, North American professional hockey jerseys, the Boston Pride. I just think it's a super cool, super cool design, super cool setup. It hurt me to rank a team from Boston so high. But, you know, got to give credit where credit's due. That said, Steve, the NHL also announced its divisions we've got divisions we've got we've got the first games we've got not signings signings we got retirements it's it's and it's almost world junior time like holy (laughs) f-bomb trying to keep it pc here just before christmas everybody but uh (laughs) there's a lot going on so let's talk about 
first these divisions. Um, okay. You know, because it's uh, a nice, interesting mix-up. So, so we got the North. For all of you that can't picture this one, <laughs> it's all Canada. So that Canadian right. division is alive and well. So we don't need to go in depth on that one yet. The next one, this is a <laughs> mother effer of a division. All right. So starting off with the Boston Bruins, Buffalo Sabres, the new and improved Buffalo Sabres, which is going to be interesting. The Devils, the Islanders, who have been solid the last few seasons. The Rangers, who have Lafreniere, you know, coming on up. The Flyers, who are arguably the best team during the regular season last year. The Penguins and the Capitals. Yeah. Tough, tough division. That's going to be one division where I think they beat the crap out of each other. Well, actually, because of this realignment, there's only one division that I think is slightly weaker, but we'll hit that after. You can go with the Central here, sir. So for the Central, you have the Carolina Hurricanes, the Chicago Blackhawks, the Columbus Blue Jackets, the Dallas Stars, the Florida Panthers, the Detroit Red Wings, the Nashville Predators, and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Dude. Yeah. (laughs) This division, I look at this division as the Jekyll and Hyde division. Well, yeah... Okay, no, we'll, I mean, we'll get, I'm looking at some of these teams are super strong. And well, there's something are... else. There's something else where when we go to rank that's just recently come in, and it may actually change my ranking, not by much, but what just came in, man? Kucherov possibly out for the season with an injury. God. Now, yeah, see, that's the thing. There's there's players that aren't signed. So I basically made my list. By the way, before we break into the the West Division, I made my list with the knowledge that I had as of three days ago or whenever I did this, when I totally geeked out in my hockey geek way and basically went over each team and I gave a a grade and a rating system to each team's offense, defense, and goaltending tandems and basically used that to determine who I thought was going to finish where. But again, different player signings, injuries, people who choose to opt out because I don't think we've seen it all yet could really, really change where I see teams. And you're going to see where a couple of them, I'm ranking teams that, I normally wouldn't rank so low, lower based off of either the division they're in and who they have to repeatedly play or the lack of information we have on the team, like they don't have another goalie or something. So those things are going to be affected. Do you want to talk about the teams in the West? Yeah, the West. So in my opinion, this is the least impressive division. I think three of the people, (laughs) three of the teams we name are going to be clear cut, you know, taking, you know, one of the four spots to go into the playoffs. But this one, we've got the Anaheim Ducks, Arizona Coyotes, Colorado Avalanche, Los Angeles Kings, Minnesota Wild, San Jose Sharks, St. Louis Blues, and the Vegas Golden Knights. Let's start the, let's start our, okay, let's, let's talk about our rankings and then we'll go into our analysis of each of our picks. Um, you can go first on your analysis of the West and who you who you picked in in order to make the playoffs and ranked on down. Yeah. Okay. So the four teams for me that I'm I say are going to make the playoffs out of the West is the St. Louis Blues, the Minnesota Wild, the Vegas Golden Knights, and the Colorado Avalanche. Interesting. So you picked. Uh, so you've got the Wild. Okay. Yep. So I've got the Yotes, Avalanche, Blues, and Golden Knights. Okay, so we both left out California. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's just those teams. Okay, so let's talk about the California teams, right? Okay. Um, The Ducks have Gibson, but they're sort of retooling, and they don't, in my opinion, have enough to really push or do much. They'll be pesky, but uh, easily overcome. Uh, Unless Jonathan Quick all of a sudden becomes the Quick of 10 years ago, 
the the Kings just don't again, in my opinion, have enough. They're enough to be again pesky, you yeah. know, and compete because they still got some talented players, but just not enough depth to go forward. And the, sh- the Sharks are just um, again, they've not done enough this off season to improve their team. So I, I'm not even. You know, the, those three teams will be battling for points amongst themselves, in my opinion. And, you know, that's that's part of the problem. None of them are going to steal games regularly off of, you know, um, you know, still fight full sets of games. Like, I can't see the Sharks going in and sweeping the Kings, for instance, right? Right. You, you know, and we'll get I'll get to that statement as we talk about the schedule after. But, yeah, I just don't see the California teams being competitive. I think they need to go full-blown rebuild and, you know, reboot their teams. Yeah, honestly, the California teams for me, I've got three, all three teams ranked in the bottom seven of the National Hockey League. I don't think they're strong at all. I don't, again, I'm, I'm missing a little bit of information right now on the Ducks. I would like to see who they sign to back up Gibson. Uh, Gibson but really, I mean, that might improve them a little bit in my eyes, but not enough for them to be a contender doesn't matter really i think in their scenario who they bring on board i don't think the ducks are strong enough to compete in that division and so yeah i mean that's kind of how i see those teams panning out yeah yeah and then now let's talk like for me obviously um i have ranking the four teams i picked i picked the Avalanche, who I'm actually favoring to win the playoffs this year. Uh, Golden Knights were the second-place team, in my opinion. Third was going to be the St. Louis Blues. I don't think they have depth in goaltending, but they still have one hell of a strong team. And Which, by the way, with the announcement of Steen not uh, retiring, it means they yeah. could possibly sign another player here. So they may go after a, a goal-scoring forward that's hanging out there. And then also, I went with the Oats as number four, just because looking at the other teams in this division and seeing how the Coyotes played, like they did pretty well interdivision last year. Right. And that's the thing. The Coyotes started strong last season, and they were pushing, and it was around the midseason that they started to flounder a bit. They dropped some pieces. Like I said, they're in, they're in tough, but... The one thing the Coyotes have going for them is they do have a good puck-moving defense. They have two goalies, with it, which when they're healthy, can be legitimate starters. And they've shown the ability to put the puck in the net as long as they're not overpassing. Based on that, that's why I said, you know, of all the other teams that were left over, I can see the Coyotes pulling it off because Kemper, between Kemper and Ranta, they can frustrate the living hell out of other teams steal a lot of victories you know so it's going to be interesting for that fourth spot in my opinion it, it will be and that's why i looked at this is one of those scenarios looking at the, the west division the, like i said the three california teams for me I, I rank basically la is like team six anaheim is team seven and san jose is team eight but you look at the other five teams and arizona for me just misses out i think based off of where i rank the arizona coyotes I think in a normal season, they may actually be in the playoffs because they're ranked pretty high. They're on my list, but they're also against the Avalanche, the Knights, the Wild, and the Blues. Those five teams, barring injuries, any of these five spots could be flip-flopped. One of these teams that's going to be really good is going to miss the playoffs. That's kind of how I see it. Because I honestly, I think uh, the way I have them ranked, that I've 
Arizona ranked fifth in this division. I have St. Louis is four, Minnesota is three, Vegas is two, and Colorado is one. In fact, I look at Colorado and Vegas as two of the strongest teams. So in you, you you've got you've got the Wild over top the Blues. Yes. And what what what's the reasoning behind that? Hey, I I've looked. A little bit more in depth at the Wild. They have to pull them back up on cap friendly. Uh, offensively speaking, they're not terribly impressive, but defensively speaking, and the goalie do they have? Neither goalie they have is like a wow goalie, but the two goalies combined, if they stay healthy, are actually pretty dangerous. Their goalie duo of Talbot and Staylock, you know, they had pretty decent seasons. And I think, like I said, neither of these goalies are like wow goalies, you know? But mm-hmm. I think this duo are mature enough if they balance to get with with 56 games in a season. That's another thing I considered looking at these teams is it's a 56 game season. I would have ranked things probably a little bit differently if it was a regular season as well. But it's a it's a 56 game shortened season. I honestly think the combination of Talbot and Staylock and I did. Literally, when I told you I geeked out, I geeked out. I kept notes um, because I figured this would come up. I think Minnesota is one of the dark horses this year. And this is based off of the division they've been put in and the combination of their goaltending. Now, you look at Talbot and Staylock's stats from last year. And again, you have to consider the teams that were in front of them. There's a lot of things to look at. Say percentage-wise, Talbot was in the top 20 in the league. And Staylock was... Good, not fantastic, but solid enough. I think he was ranked 33rd in, t- in terms of like save percentage. This and then their defense, of course. So you look at their defense, aging, which again, this benefits a short season like this, I think benefits an aging team. And I was listening to a, I listened to the Radio 1 at the gym this morning, and I always tune into, you know, WGRZ in Buffalo, and they had the instigators on this morning, and they had some debates. First of all, Craig Gervais. You seriously got to get better Wi-Fi, man. Your fellow buddies there are calling you out for good reason. You can't hear you half the time. It's Craig Ravey and Rob Ray that do the, they're the instigators. And I think Peters is on there. I'm not sure. Maybe it's Peters and Ray. I don't, you guys, I'm pretty sure if I look it up in a little bit more detail, I could tell who's on the show, but you have these guys and I, I want to say maybe it's Peters and Ravey, but I'm pretty sure Rob Ray has to jump on this stuff. Anyway, I listened to other radio broadcasts with, with Rob as well, but they were talking about how the shortened season would have benefit an older guy like uh, Eric Stahl coming into Buffalo. They completely had opposite answers. And I had to agree with the fact that as an older guy, it's more difficult to get ready for the season as your body is getting older. It's kind of one of those things where... I think a shorter season like this, it's going to benefit older guys. And you look at their defense, Aspergian, Suter, Dumba, Brodeen, those four right there are like, wow. But then you toss in Susie and P- Paterin. Paterin, uh, how do you pronounce that guy's Pattern. name? Pattern. <laughs> um, I think this is, that one, dude. <laughs> I know. But you combine this defensive core with these goalies. They can make up for the offense. The thing is, if this offense catches fire for any reason, because they got talent, they have talent. If this team can catch fire, if Parise, Zuccarello, Johansson, Benino, Rask, Fiala, Felino, Greenway, Bustad can all catch fire, then mm-hmm. that would be the way to go. So I I don't know about that. I guess this last one's going to be, you know, they could... San Jose Sharks could just shock the shit out of this too, right? Pump some and <laughs> screw you guys. Oh yeah, I mean, jump they, right on up. Like this, this last spot is going to be a tough one. Somebody's yeah. going to really have to earn the hell out of this one. And again, the course of the season, a lot of things can happen, and this podcast could age very well. <laughs> <laughs> well, this podcast is maybe revisited, you know, in ten days as more trades happen, right? Because yeah. something big happens, it could shift everything around. 
it's the National Hockey League. The, the sports played because who would have guessed some teams that make it when you're they're ranked so low when they make it, right? So exactly. Dead last at the beginning of January, they win the cup and you had the Buffalo Sabres who are number one. And yet despite unprecedented odds, they still managed to miss the playoffs. <laughs> you know, because the odds were all in their favor and they just collapsing on themselves uh thank you everyone for listening in to pigeon <laughs> hockey this is chris and steve hey, you already heard my tagline thanks guys <laughs> <laughs> all right y'all thanks for listening in catch us next time okay.